Single Simulcast is about a lot of things. This podcast may make you laugh, cry, or pound your fists into your desk. If you hear something you like or something you don't, email us at singlesimulcast at gmail.com. One. Single. Simulcast. That's all I can legally play. Right. <laughs> that that's it. That that's it. Like that's as far as we going into the song. Yo, single simulcast episode. Who cares? It's our five year anniversary of us doing this together. What's up, Shantae? What's up? What's up? What's up? Happy anniversary. Right. I didn't even buy you shit. Like I thought about it. I did. I was like, I'm going to get like the Sephora and stuff like that. But then I was like, you know what? That is, to be honest with you, I don't even know if they're still around y'all anymore because with COVID hitting, we went to the mall for Devin to go school shopping. And a lot of stuff that I just expected to be there didn't make it. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you're talking about. The JCPenney that had a little like Sephora inside of it near mm-hmm. us is gone. Uh, children's Place, where my kids are still, well, at least one of my kids is still small enough mm-hmm. to, to fit in those clothes. And we went over there maybe a month ago to just like get some stuff, you know, whatever, because school was getting ready to start. And yeah, it wasn't there. It was just like, oh shit, it's gone. So yeah, there's a lot of stuff that, that, you know, you there's stuff that still is there. You know, like Target's still there. Target but, ain't going nowhere, right? But there's other stuff that's just you never know what's going to make it, what's making it, and what's not going to make it through all mm-hmm. this. And and, and, and gosh, one of the things that we noticed because it's been a long time since we've had any kids that did fit in those clothes, mm-hmm. but out here, um, there used to be Gap Kids, mm-hmm. and then there was Jimboree. Mm-hmm. And they had to combine. Mm-hmm. And I was like, whoa, like they were two competing stores side by side. And now they're combined. And 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 one of them bought the other one. And I was like, that had to have been awkward. You know, you were just now talking. I wish that motherfucker would manage me. That <laughs> punk ass nigga in there. Look, look at that bitch ass manager. Oh, manager face ass. Look at you. Look at you. Look at you. 56 doing a job that an 18 year old could do ass. Look at you, old face ass. Wait, what? What? <laughs> what? They they bought us. What do you mean they bought us? <laughs> All of us? And me? <sighs> All right. Cool, 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 cool. But things are going to stay the same, right? So we're going to keep our separate builds. They're moving in. <laughs> Uh, you didn't even talk about this with none of us. You just, you and this store just decided on a winner, just get married and just combine the two of us. 
what do you mean I have to, he's going to be my manager. I'm, I'm the manager. I'm, oh, because he's older seniority. Oh, nah, nah, nah. That's how I figure that, um, that I, I always think of corporate takeovers, like not quite hostile takeovers, but takeovers. Uh-huh. I think of them like a blended family. <laughs> like, sure. It's very, it's very Brady Bunch. It's very right? like, it's like, who's going to be, who's going to be mommy and daddy now? Mm-hmm. Wait, that was my parking spot. <laughs> it says manager on it. Right. He's my fucking manager. A whole 58 year old ass. What do you mean he wants to have a meeting with me immediately? He just got here. <laughs> right. Like, I can't I can't imagine what it would be like to be the person who might get demoted, but you're still in your building. So, you know where everything is, you know how everything works. And now you have to basically not be, you know, you're no longer the head of the household anymore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you take a back seat. What do you mean you want me to be your right hand? You want me to train you? I'll train you. <laughs> I, 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 just, two days later, he wants to have another meeting and, and said, bring my badge. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, it's, <laughs> like it's hard knocks. Bring it, we, we want to talk to you and we need you to bring your playbook. Oh, God. <laughs> I used to hate, I used to fear those conversations so much. Boss will be like at three o'clock. I need to see you bring a notebook. That was a good conversation. That meant it was something I'd be able to take notes for, which meant I'd be coming back to my desk to execute whatever stupid thing they wanted me to do. If they just said we were having a meeting, I was like, about what? Huh? <laughs> hey, hey, Derek, Derek at um, email. Dear Derek. At and if you got off at like four o'clock. These were the worst. This was the worst way it could go. You get off work at four o'clock. You get an email at 10 a.m. Hey, Derek, we want to have a meeting with you in the manager's office at 345. Or even worse, we want to have a meeting with you in the conference room at 345. Yeah, that sounds bad. You know what that sounds, you know what it reminds me of, even though I didn't really experience it? It reminds me of like, you're going to get a whooping when your daddy gets home. Like mm-hmm. that's what, like, like you have to wait this long. You got to have this long, like drawn out process of whatever punishment you think you're going to get. And I've know. experienced it. So I can tell you how it goes. You get told by whomever, because it was an equal opportunity ass whooping jungle out here. My mom and dad were both in the military, but my mom was in the reserve. So my dad would go overseas and be gone for years. So mom became the effective leader of the household. So when they got divorced, she was already used to it. That's probably one of the reasons why they got divorced, first of all. Also, because he was an abusive dickhole. But the first one, too, it stands out a little bit. You get in that independence and then somebody comes back and they're like, nah, this is what I'm going to do. It's like, fuck you, mm-hmm. dude. I done did yeah. this without you and I can keep doing this without you. I ain't just going to step back in and out like you running shit. The fuck are we? T- oh, yeah, whoopings. So <laughs> equal opportunity ass whoopers. My parents were. And my mom would call us up at like nine o'clock in the morning on whatever minimum day it was. It could be summertime. It didn't matter. She'd call us up and be like, your teacher just called me. When I get home, 
I'm gonna whoop your ass. <laughs> and at nine o'clock, she'd hang up the phone at 903. You'd be thinking about it at 907. And you know what? I'm in a cleaning mood. Let me go clean up everything <laughs> in this fucking house from end to end. And we never cleaned well. I mean, honestly, we cleaned with a rush because, and I don't know about you, because y'all live that 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 uh that that type of life where you got to play video games whenever you want it. But for us, <laughs> for us regular niggas. We could only play video games after the chores were done, so we would rush through them. And have you ever seen Child's Play, like the original Child's Play? What? The, the very <laughs> first movie. Yeah, the very first, yeah. yeah. So the very first scene of that very first movie where they're talking about the um, the um how the new Child's Play, the new My Buddy Doll or whatever it was called, came out. And the kid, Alex, is mm-hmm. making his mom breakfast on his birthday. Mm-hmm. And he's burning the toast and he's spilling shit all over the place. And there's this huge mess in the kitchen. And as he's looking, as he's making the, the food, he's looking over his shoulder at this commercial talking about my buddy. And then he looks over in the corner and he sees this box that's wrapped up for his birthday. Uh-huh. And he thinks uh-huh. it's about the size of a my buddy doll. So he gets super excited and he starts at first he's walking normal, but then he looks over and he sees that little box and he starts walking faster and he starts running and the milk starts splashing over the top of the bowl onto the tray. And it's like a real mess by the time he gets to his mom. That's how the kitchen looked when we got done doing (laughs) like the closer we got to being done with stuff so we can get to the video games. That last thing caught the blues and it was always the kitchen that caught the worst. So mm-hmm. you'd get dishes <laughs> that would be in the dishwasher unwashed because oh, no. I, I never understood. I mean, when I got older, sure. When I was a kid, why do I have to wash the dish to put it into the dishwasher, mom? Mm-hmm. Is that a black thing? Is that a thing that only we do where you have to wash it before you put it in the dishwasher? And she was like, you do it so you can get all the stuff off of it. So then the dishwasher can actually sanitize the dish. And I was like, but it's a dish washer it should wash the whole thing and so every time you would think and yet and so every time we get home or we we get to that point and we'd be rushing through and there'd be dishes in the dishwasher with food still on it shit let's be honest there'd be dishes back in the cabinet with food still on it and we'd be sitting in the front playing video games well when we got that call saying i'm gonna whoop the ass when i get home you know what you did (laughs) And you didn't know what you did. <laughs> That's when everything got cleaned lovingly with care. And so it wasn't until I was about 26, 26 or so, that my mom confessed to us that every so often when she got tired of the house being dirty, she would just call and say she was going to whoop her ass. <laughs> Wow. Yeah. And she knew that the house would be clean and we'd be on our best behavior that entire day. And so she said, and because y'all clean the house so well, if you didn't clean the house well enough for me, I still whoop your ass. But if you clean the house well, which you usually did in those points, then I will let you think I was going to whoop your ass all day long. And then I would get home and let you think I was going to whoop your ass all the way through dinner. And then I let you think I was going to whoop your ass after you got out the shower and then I fall asleep. And she was like, that was literally the quietest 
that y'all have ever been. When y'all thought you were going to get a whooping, you literally tiptoed around the house. You let me watch whatever I wanted to watch on TV. You didn't complain yeah. about my cooking. The kitchen was clean. The house was clean. Y'all didn't fight. You didn't argue. You did your homework. You did whatever you had to do. And you were quiet. And I looked at her at the age of 26 after knowing I could cuss at her. And I, I struggled. Oh, I struggled. I, I had words for her. First of all, you motherfucker. You motherfucker. You. We suffered. But then I was like, you know what? Single mom. Yeah. Single mom would get home more often than not to two boys. At this point in time, we were probably like, I mean, let's be honest, this is the 80s and 90s. So we were latchkey kids. Mm-hmm. So at this point in time, we were anywhere from 9 and 11 to 12 and 14. And so that mess would only get worse as we got older. Because, you know, teenagers in house cleaning. Sure. I understand. I mean, yeah, I'm not for abuse. I'm not about beating my kids. I'm not about whooping my kids, anything like that. But I can understand. I'm not in the, I, I'm in, not in the idea of putting fear into my children's heart and then not following through so then they wouldn't trust me. I'm not about that life. But I can understand my mom doing it as a single mom who's going to school and also holding down a full-time job in the eighties and nineties of the black woman, I can understand. I've seen my mom. I've seen my mom at that age where people were actually hitting on her at her job. People were actually hitting on her at her school. I remember her having to bring us to school with her when I was like five. And just sat me in the back with a book to read. Mm -hmm. In her science class, I remember vividly seeing her science teacher teaching them about dry ice and working on it. And I remember being captivated. And that's why I loved science so much as a kid, because I had Mr. Wizard and I had this science teacher with the dry ice. I remember my mom struggling like a motherfucker to do what she needed to do in order for her to be free. There was no reason why she should have had to come home and clean up behind us. So in hindsight, if she had to tell us every so often, I'm going to whoop your ass. So then she can get the peace and quiet and time that she needed. I, I respect your hustle. Game recognized game. I respect that. I'm cool with that because I made it through it and I'm okay. But at the time it was happening. When we didn't get the whooping, it was one part. So another movie I'm going to reference, you know, the the end of uh, Armageddon, when everybody is on watching TV, waiting for the asteroid to hit the fucking Earth. Mm-hmm. And then at the last moment, it just splits off and goes around us and everybody starts cheering and hugging and shit. That's how it <laughs> felt when my mom fell asleep. <laughs> Instead of whooping us. And the crazy thing was, yeah, the first time we could celebrate. But the fifth fucking time that it happened in that same fucking format, you should start thinking, okay, something's up. You ain't gonna you ain't gonna follow through. Mom, wake up. Mom, <laughs> mama, mama, mama. What 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 what? 
Ain't you forget something? Boy, if you don't get out of my room, he, mom, I've been waiting for this all day. Ain't you forget something? I mean, honestly, I'm not kink shaming anybody, but there might have been some folks who would have gotten that call and be like, yes. Right here, mid back, right here. Safety word is pudding. I don't know. But I know that for me, getting told that you have to go to a meeting or getting told you have to prepare for something and not being told what it is now is literally anxiety inducing for me. And I think that in some small ways, it goes back to those interactions with my mom. Um, And I I know that I'm not the only person who had those sort of interactions. So I think that there's also management who have had those interactions who are now doing it to their subordinates without even thinking about it and enjoying the fact that they're now in the place of power. I'm reading holes for um, Ratchet Book Club right now. And I love that book so much. And one of the things that I'm realizing while I read it is just how much adults bully children. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like it's, you see it like with all the different videos mm-hmm. that that pop up, whether it's people asking for help, you know, you know, because they're like, oh, well, something's wrong and I need help with my kid. I don't know how to you know, do whatever. Or just people who think it's funny. Mm-hmm. that their kid is having some type of emotional breakdown and they're being a dickhead to their kid or whatever, you know, or I'm going to, you know, my kid made a mistake. I'm going to shave their head. You know, I'm going to mm-hmm. give them a weird haircut. I'm going to make them wear uh, a sign. You know, if yeah, I'm going to make them wear a sign, I'm going to change, you know, if they're making fun of kids who are, you know, uh, wearing, clothes from a place that doesn't cost a lot of money I'm gonna make sure that they only are wearing like thrifty clothes or whatever you know cheaper clothes so they can see what it's like and yeah it's a lot of we don't treat kids like people like Mm -hmm. the way we would normally treat adults it's just like you talk I mean like we talk really wild to kids and then expect them to take it and get mad when they don't even though we wouldn't dare talk to our spouses that way, we wouldn't talk to, you know, other adults that way. We wouldn't talk wild to them mm-hmm. and expect them just to take it. And, and that's but, the but thing that, that with kids. that's the thing that always strikes me. Like if I told you what, what I would love to do is a series of YouTube videos where I find a parent who belittles and berates their child. Doesn't put hands on them, maybe. I don't know. Depends on how well I learn how to fight. But berates their child. I would love to take notes on what they say to their child. And then one day, just walk up to them and say the exact fucking same things to them. You know, you're useless. You are an absolute waste of space. What is wrong with you? Why can't you do this? Why can't you do better? Just the little things, not the little things, just the things they think are little things to their kid. Say it to Mm -hmm. them and then watch as they get mad. 
And then right before I beat them up, because I know we'd have to fight. Show them the video of them saying the same thing to their kid. And then whoop their ass on behalf of their kid. And then go home. Yeah. There's a lot of lack of self-awareness with adults when it comes to kids. Like, I don't think there's like, I think there's some people who are like on a power trip. Mm -hmm. Like they really are on a power trip. They are intentionally thinking I am the, you know, I am above everybody in this house. They are supposed to do my bidding. I get pleasure out of being a dickhead. But I think there's other people who think they're doing the right thing because that's how they were raised. They think this is how you make a productive adult, you know, like this, you know, this, these interactions are interactions that are supposed to happen. And they completely miss how they felt when it happened to them. Like they pushed down, you know, whatever fear they might've experienced, whatever type of disappointment in themselves, all this different kind of stuff. Cause they're so focused on maybe how much they're also in a productive adult. Like it's the, I went through this and I'm okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I, this happened to me and I'm okay. I can do this to you. Therefore you will be okay. And they're just missing that one, they're a different person. Two, they may not be as okay as they think they are. Like you think you're okay, but then it's just like, well, what are your interactions like with other adults? Are you, do you speak up for yourself and not feel any kind of way about it? Are you overly aggressive? Are you overly uh, uh, timid? Cause that's the other thing, you know, you could just as easily be the kind of person who shrinks in within conflict instead of being the person who is, you know, who's ready to jump bad at somebody. Like it's all kinds of things that can happen when your family doesn't establish good communication between you. And then it plays out in your relationships. It plays out with your spouses, your coworkers, all this different kind of shit. But people aren't thinking that way. They're just focused on like kind of the, the day-to-day shit. Like, look at me, I get up every day, I go to work and my kids are clean, I'm clean, we're eating. What else do I need to think about? But you don't contend with the fact that, you know, they're clean, I'm clean. I also drink maybe two packs a night. I sit alone in a room to decompress Mm-hmm. before I can be around my kids. I find myself calling them things that I've been called and don't think second a second thought about it. I strive to regain the power that I lose every single day from my children. I lose power with my at my job every single day, but I strive to gain that back from my children. I don't know. It, it's, it's different. It's weird. It's mm-hmm. unfortunate that um, we're in a situation where parents think they can get away with that and where adults 
don't have anybody to answer to who can tell them that's not the way to be. And so while, yeah, you can cleanse the generational harms of racism by talking to your kids about it. And then there's things that we talk about. Hey, we could talk with our kids about racism. We could confront that. We could talk with our kids about acceptance. We could confront that. But you can also change the generational curse of bullying. Mm -hmm. Because I know, and a lot of people, no, I'm not going to say a lot of people, but there are people who will probably never admit that they were bullied by their parents mm -hmm. and never thought anything of it because their parents paid the bills or because their parents uh, put clothing on their back or their parents put food on the table. And you know why they don't think about it? It's because that's what their parents tell them when they're trying to explain their actions. Mm -hmm. I pay the bills. I put the food on the table. You want to do something, you want to do what you want to do, you can get out. And so you got kids who are fleeing their households at an early age. Those are those, those, those are the ones who usually find another, a, uh, if they're fortunate, they find another family another walk of life that'll take them in and make them feel loved. But those are also the ones who a lot of times are like, I'm not having kids. Mm -hmm. Or you get the ones who <sighs> I just finished watching something on uh, Facebook because you Shante, you and <laughs> everybody else who posts up their TikTok videos or videos from folks they find interesting on TikTok. First of all, make those public so I can share them, please. Stop oh being inclusive. <laughs> share it. Share it. Share it to my timeline. You know, because okay. I be seeing it and I'm like, you know what? This will be perfect for the unburdened page. God damn it. Why is this? Why is this only but, send? Well, if you hit me, I will. If I ever like have something that's friends and you hit me, I will undo it. A lot of times I'm not even thinking about it. Sometimes you I'm about like, to oh, get a flood. You about to get hit up because I saved like nine of them. Nine. <laughs> but, um, Sometimes when I'm going through TikTok videos and everything, you know, it, it, it escalates. Mm -hmm. One video, if you don't log out after that video, it'll go to the next video. And it may not be something that's directly associated with that, but it might just be. Um, mm -hmm. And so I ran into a video. The fuck was I talking about? You were talking about a video that you saw because we were talking about parenting. Yeah, it was something. I saw a video recently and um, I might have saved it. Hopefully I saved it. Otherwise, I lost it and it's gone because I've literally lost the thought. Um, but. Oh, no, no, I got it back. Yes. I was going through videos and I logged out of the videos. I actually stepped back out of that void and went to a thing called people of New York and people in New York is a, a group that just literally posts up stories of people that they've interviewed in New York. And there was um, a daughter, a, a, a woman rather who was talking about her mom 
and how her mom had children at a very young age. Mm-hmm. And so um, the as she had children, she would take out her anger mm-hmm. of never having a childhood of her own on her children. And this woman was talking about how her eldest sister got it the worst. Mm-hmm. Um, she was forced to watch the other kids and change diapers and she would get, she would get beatings. Um, and just all kind of horrible things would happen to her and her only. So here it is. None of us were wanted, but Diamond was born first. So she had it the worst. She was the one who took away our mother's childhood and mom never forgave her for that. So she didn't let Diamond have a childhood either. She had to take care of all of us. I remember the day my little brother came home from the hospital. Diamond had to start watching him right away. She was only 10 years old at the time, but she was doing bottles, diapers, everything. She never got to play. She never got any friend time. Or if she ever did, she had to bring my little brother along in a stroller. When our little sister was born, it became a double stroller. Diamond made sure we ate. My mom was weird about food. She'd always make us dinner on Sunday, but during the rest of the week, we were hungry all the time. Diamond kept feeding us snacks. Welch's fruit snacks, Cheez-Its, honey buns, and I can't stand the taste of those things anymore. None of us can. There was only one bedroom in the apartment, and it was the bedroom for my mom. And that was where the hitting happened, and Diamond got it the worst. So, yeah, it's a whole thing. Yeah. And eventually Diamond ran away. You know, sure. and now she's doing well, and she's uh, in school you know, or she's, she's putting herself through nursing school and everything. She's not doing well. How could you do well after a childhood like that? But she's putting herself through nursing school and she still struggles. And I would be terrified to have children. Or I'd say, I don't want kids because I've been taking care of other people's kids my entire life. Yeah. And never got a chance for myself. And for her to become a nurse in that situation, it's just... powerful powerful because i don't think that i'd have it in me to care about people enough after that after being in a place where i was forced to care for people and then i think about it and i'm like but is she a nurse because being because caring about people was all she knew Mm -hmm. caring for others making sure they're okay so yeah if i went through that situation i wouldn't have kids If I had a parent that was a bully, that was a bully, yeah, I wouldn't have kids and I wouldn't have parents either. I don't know. It's our anniversary. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, shit is rough. That's really what it comes down to. A lot of shit is rough. Childhood is rough. And there's so much focus on the ideal of childhood like you're playing and having fun and having friends and all this kind of stuff that people miss how hard it is to deal with adults who don't respect you mm-hmm. as a person and who expect you to be a certain way, really expect you to grow up as a child and have adults around you who expect you to be an adult 
and who totally ignore your emotional needs or ignore how the needs that you are displaying are needs of a child. They somehow think you are diverting yourself or you're diverting away from being an adult by crying, by saying you want something, by desiring things. And because they think you're supposed to be a little adult instead of being a child. And so they don't have any patience and all that. Just it's, it's very, it's something that I did not understand until my kids started to get a little bit older and I had to check myself. I had to be like, no, they're little, they're little, little kids. Like even now with my son, he's 14. And it's just like, he still gets really angry about shit, Mm -hmm. you know? And it's just like, but he's, but I have to tell myself, it's just like, no, he's not an adult. Yes, we are the same size, but he's not, he's not a grown up. He is not, you know, his brain is not what my brain is at 40. And I should not expect his, expect him to be completely calm about every single thing, every single day. Now he's 14. He is going to get upset. He's going to be mad about some shit. It's my job as a parent to be the adult whose brain is developed and talk to him, validate Mm -hmm. his feelings, not be a dickhead, not make fun of him. You know, all these types of things that I think parents do that other parents may do because they think this is how you're supposed to interact with children Mm -hmm. because you feel like children are beneath you. And so when you feel like motherfuckers are beneath you, you do shit to them to make them feel like they're beneath you. Exactly. And so it's just, it's a, but you gotta be, you gotta be willing to be wrong about what the fuck you did. That's, I think that's really what it is. There's days where it was the other day, there was a video, it was a TikTok, it was this mom, she was antagonizing her kid. He was really upset, you know, and I showed that to them. I showed that to both my kids and I was like, look, I feel like I've been this type of mean and I'm sorry. Like I've tried not to be this way and you don't deserve that. And this kid doesn't deserve that. And I just like, like, I can't even think of the last time I'd like got really mad at them, but it's still me even now apologizing for things that I did years ago. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that's what you have to do. You have to rather than fight it, you know, It's like, you're going to bring it up and say, look, I was this way years ago. I am sorry. You didn't deserve that. It isn't okay. I'm trying to be better. I love you. You know, your feelings are valid. I am grappling with this thing. You know, I am grappling with the consequences of how I treated you right now. So that when they're in their 20s, they don't even have to feel like they're throwing it in my face. If they're Mm -hmm. bringing it up, then we're, we're talking about this shit. Like, yes, I'm so sorry that that happened. You know, it, but you have to be ready. Right, Cause I think what happens is you get parents who they do something and they feel bad. And then when the shit gets brought up later on, they're like, well, well I already apologized about that. How many I, times are you going to bring that up? Yeah. And it's just like, no, you, when you fuck up, sometimes you're just going to be apologizing for that shit for the rest of your life. And that's what it's going to be. And I feel like that's what I'm trying to accept now is just like, there's going to be some shit that I'm going to have to apologize for, for the rest of my life. Mm -hmm. And that's it. And that's it. 
And my job is to apologize for that shit every time it gets brought up or bring it up and apologize for that shit and not do that shit anymore. To check myself, to not, you know, take out whatever I'm feeling on them just because they're there. What I've found being the being the bigger person when you're the bigger person is hard because mm-hmm. it's humbling. And the kids don't really know how to deal with it because especially if it's the first couple of times you're coming honestly to them. The kids don't know how to deal with it. So there's this silence mm-hmm. because they don't know. <laughs> I'm laughing because it's actually sad. That's strange, right? No. Okay, cool. Um, they don't know if it's a trap. Mm-hmm. They don't know if they're going to say something that's going to set you off all over again on a completely different tangent, because when you're open like this, you might be vulnerable but i've learned that vulnerability also learns the or leads to volatility mm-hmm. um especially if you get embarrassed about being vulnerable and so your kids will never go deeper into that conversation they will never go as deep into that conversation as they really feel that they should. They'll go deeper into that conversation with one another. They'll go deeper into that conversation with significant others later on in life. And one day they might approach you and you will go deeply into that conversation. If you respond by saying, I already apologize for that shit. The fuck you want from me? Why you keep bringing up old shit? Why can't you just let it go? Mm-hmm. You are not helping foster a safe environment for your child. One thing that I strive to keep in mind is that a safe space isn't temporary. Mm -hmm. You can't say this is a safe space right now, but like two weeks later, after that moment has passed where you're feeling your heart is full and you're just like, preaching the gospel, whatever. But after that moment's passed, it's no longer a safe space for them to do this. And so they do this and you lacerate them. It has to always be a safe space for your kids. It has to always be your house. And this is what parents struggle with, honestly. Your house, if it's a safe space, You cannot beat your children in a safe space. You cannot scream at your children in a safe space. You can't threaten them. You can't take stuff away. If you deem this a safe space, then it is a safe space for their topics, their thoughts, their confessions, their fears, their success, their successes, their failures. And sometimes their failures are going to piss you off. Sometimes their successes are going to piss you off because it should have been a failure. And the crazy thing is, while I'm on the subject, 
there are a lot of parents out there, a lot of parents who get mad when their kids succeed in a place where their parents failed. Mm. Oh, you know, um, I got this job and I make this amount of money and my kid wants this, that, and the third. And I was like, I didn't get that when I was that young. Why should you get it? Because you can afford it. Mm-hmm. Because the job is to make life better and easier for your kids so then they can enjoy being a kid and they can actually bridge that divide. Can I ask you a question? Sure. You ever talk to Cody about his childhood? sometimes I'm still learning after after 15 years I'm still learning things about Nisha's childhood and she's still learning things about mine so I understand I'm sorry go ahead but yeah yeah I mean there's still things that like you know stuff gets brought up or you know it it kind of um if it's not about him it's about like the interactions of his family throughout his childhood because uh, he's the child of a second marriage. Mm-hmm. And so there's dynamics between his older siblings and him that he has to, that he's had to grapple with because from his point of view, uh, though, that's just his brothers and sisters, you know, as uh, the youngest kid. But I think sometimes with his, but his older siblings are dealing with uh, what they've had to go through dealing with uh, having parents who divorce and having and seeing him, uh, how can I put it? Seeing him have something that they didn't necessarily end up getting to keep, you know, where he you know, his parents are still together. They've been together. I mean, Cody's 30 something years old. His parents have been together for 30 something years old. And he's having to think about, he's having to grapple with, he's having to grapple with their, whatever negative feelings they have about their childhood experience while he's had a positive childhood experience Mm. as Mm -hmm. far as that kind of stuff is concerned. Like he's, you know, he is a kid who grows up with both his parents, you know, they're together, they like each other and everything. And some of his, and his older siblings got to experience and they, and they got, I, I think what it is is that they got two different parents you know, his older siblings got one type of parent mm-hmm. and Cody got another type of parent and they had to witness their parent be a different way than they were with them. And so it feels like Cody has, has had to, to grapple with that as we've, as we've, as our relationship has gone on as he's gotten older and interacted with his older siblings and stuff that he's had to to grapple with that. Like, what does that mean for him? Even though it wasn't his fault, had nothing to do with him. He didn't know what was going on, but what does that mean for him and his relationship with them? Because for a time 
he wanted he wanted a relationship with him at mm-hmm. different times. And I think sometimes they would keep him at arm's length. You know, I think some some of it was probably just age because they were just a little bit older than he was. But he would, you know, he was the kind of person who was reaching out, reaching out. That's my brother and sister reaching out, but they weren't always reaching back. And it's only now that everyone has gotten older that he's interacting with his older siblings in a different kind of way and that they are kind of talking about what happened through their childhood, like how they felt, um, how they felt internally. And, and he's trying and he's seeing that happen with them or what happened with them, why they may have been the way they were then. I never really thought about it, but Devin probably goes through that same dynamic because Isabella, Shamari, and Kenny all came from, you know, the first relationships that their mom had or that I had. And mm-hmm. so Devin is the product of our relationship, which is the second marriage. And so now we have three other kids who are getting to see sides of us that because Devin doesn't go to <laughs> Devin never went with his mom when she had to drop the kids off to their dad. And he never went with me when I went to drop off Isabella, he went occasionally. And I don't mean that. I don't mean to say it like we got over there and we were like free nigga. Don't, you better not be late picking up my kids <laughs> or nothing like that. But there was still a dynamic that caused the two in the initial relationship to split up. Mm-hmm. There was something. And mm-hmm. so the kids are seeing now, on the one hand, a side where there's no love just at this point in time, a partnership for mm-hmm. the kids at best. And then on the other side, they get to turn around and see like love. And, and, and mm-hmm. I think about that in this context. People who talk about, you know, I found my soulmate or my true love on like their second marriage, which can happen. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you, you get with somebody. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But the kids are looking at it like. But you were with my parent and what was that? Mm-hmm. Is this your soulmate? This your true love? What are you calling my mom? What are you calling my dad? Um, so I could see how there might be some angst and some underlying thoughts that he, Cody, as well as Devin, probably got the best of both worlds because they had, because he had the stable relationship and the, um, love from two parents and he didn't have to go to other households. Mm-hmm. The other kids may have had like like my kids, you know, because I don't know. My kids uh, spent half the week with me and then half the week with either their dad or with their mom, you know, with with her mom for Isabella. Mm-hmm. Um, and so they would go to their other parents houses. And to be completely frank, their other parents weren't living they hadn't reached 
the point of maturity for some that they should have reached. So they were still living like they were, you know, folks who were like, my kids are with their other, with my baby mom or my baby daddy. So I'm a turn up now. Sure, 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 sure. Uh, but then there are other folks who are like, I'm going to keep turning up even when they get back because I'm free and I don't have anybody and I'm single and I get to live my life. And mm-hmm. so when they got back to the other house, they were often there alone for long hours, uh, which, you know, they didn't always have a good idea where food was coming from. Um and we would often supply food to the other families. So then our kids would be able to eat um, or, you know, hey, you're going over there. Let's go get you a large lunch that you'd be able to take leftovers with you over to your other house. That'll hold you down for like a day or two. Um, just that sort of thing. So to go from that to a place where, you know, absolute stability and while you appreciate the absolute stability you also may feel envy about the one who always got to be in that absolute stability i can see that yeah and that would be something that you would have to really that might take like a therapy type conversation Oh, yeah, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely, I mean, I'm sure people could talk to each other and try to work it out, but yeah, it's definitely a a therapy kind of thing. Like a professional needs to, to work through all those, all those expectations that should have been met, that didn't get met, how it felt, all that, like, yes, that's, yes. One day, one day I'm going to go back to school and I'm going to become a counselor one day, just so then I can see how all this works. You know, I don't, I don't, well, I don't think that I am the best person to sit down and listen to other people's concerns and troubles and all that. I do vividly remember myself sitting in a parking lot of a place that I don't eat at, bawling my eyes out and talking to you. And so if I can help anybody from being on a cliff like that ever again, I will gladly make that my life's work. Do you see Shang-Chi? I mean, no. it's only in the theater, so yeah, no. Yeah, no, I, have, I haven't. All right, so it comes out to Disney Plus. Do you have Disney Plus? Yes. Okay, it comes out to Disney Plus like in a month. Yeah. If, but... The thing is, Marvel has now said that they're going to do, or Disney has now said that all of their movies going forward will only be in the theaters. Um, And I think that's due primarily to the fact that Scarlett Johansson, you know, she's going to get her money from suing them, which get your your cash. I ain't mad at you. But now, you know, to make sure that that doesn't happen, they're going to have all the movies go straight to the theater and then follow them up by putting them on Disney Plus for premium. But it was good. that's good. I'm he, sorry, you were seems, saying, I mean. Oh, I was going to say, it seems he's having um, kind of publicity problems. The I, I'm not sure how to 
pronounce the man's name, the 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 head actor. Yeah. Who put he, he's having or maybe. 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 I just don't want to I just don't want to mess up his name. Yeah. But, yeah. but any but he is now what I saw was he was what it, what it's coming out is it's like oh he's anti-black he's you know he was in an incel reddit uh a, you know group and this and that and everything and however what i also saw was someone who i guess searched reddit found that a lot of the stuff that he was commenting on was just from i guess his tv show kim's convenience mhm he talked about basketball, you know, liking basketball a lot. Uh, there's not really, I don't think there's any like racism stuff because what well, I think what it, they were saying, he was in like an Asian band in cell group type thing, but huh. it was a group that was for Asian people. And I think that's maybe where he was talking about Kim's convenience. Now, I could be completely wrong. That's up to everybody else to kind of Google that and, and try to figure out exactly what happened. But basically what this what these screenshots that I saw were saying was there, you know, he's talking about basketball. There's not really there's there's no racism. However, he did. Uh, he was. Being sympathetic to pedophiles based on his interaction with what I'm assuming is maybe a TV show or, or a movie or something, you know, some type of artistic work that he researched and he's, and he likened it to homosexuality. Now that is like, that's not what, <laughs> like, you know, he, he likened that the, the urge to be attracted to children ugh, is somehow like, you know, is about, you know, like the, you know, the genetic whatever that switches on that thing is similar to the genetic whatever that might switch on homosexuality. And so that I feel like once people, if people latch onto that, I feel like that's worth criticizing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, like, like that, like that's not, no that's not cool like it's just especially it's like it's one I, you know what I think it, when I was reading I was like it's one thing to sympathize with people to know that they're dealing with something that is very bad and they don't know how to control it or whatever it's like I get that type of sympathy I think it's something else to try to take this thing that harms children and equate it with something that goes on between consenting adults that in and of itself is not harmful to children. Mm -hmm. That's where it gets, that's where it gets fucked up. It's just like, no, you don't equate it. That's like, no, you don't, mm -mm. no, don't do that. Cause now you look, because there's so much, because there's so much criticism of people who are gay or home, you know, who are homosexual. And the first thought is, well, what about the kids? We need to protect our kids. What about this? And it's just like, no, this is, these are two men who like each other. These are two women who like each other. Your kids have absolutely nothing to do with this. You know, it's just like the stuff that's, you know, like all the people who are criticizing Lil Nas X. Yeah. You know, and talking about like, oh, what about the kids? What about the kids? And it's just like, this is a, a grown man. 
he's not doing anything with with children or any nothing to do with children. Now he could be referencing his childhood as a man growing up and you know dealing with feeling you know the feelings of being a gay child and then becoming a gay man but he's not going after children but there's all this predatory rhetoric about people who are homosexual like somehow there's a boogeyman coming to get your kids and that's not the way this shit works yeah i just found the uh the reddit where he said that on july 14th 2015 Hey, I'm a Canadian actor, and I thought I'd chime in. I recently did a show in which I played a pedophile and did a significant amount of research, clinical studies, mind you, not the method stuff, on the disorder and how it's perceived in the media. In the end, the role completely changed the where I look at pedophilia, and this made me much more sympathetic to anyone who was born with those urges. From a biological standpoint, it's no different from being gay, a small mutation in the genome that defines our sexual preferences. Depending on what area of the world you were born and what time, it may have also been a perfectly acceptable thing to act on those urges. Now, we all know taking advantage of minors is wrong, disgusting, and violating, but with the exception of Germany, we are going out about it in a completely, completely wrong way. It's like we have learned nothing. It's like we haven't learned anything by studying homosexuality. We're talking about exploring the same cures of pedophilia as we were about homosexuality 20 years ago, a la conversion therapy and whatnot. As part of my research, I discovered that these people have literally nowhere to run, even non-offending pedophiles. They cannot seek, um, wait. They cannot seek treatment in most parts of the world because a therapist or psychiatrist will be legally required to report any, and then it gets cut off, great. So then the next one says, um, oh, it's just him going to another, another group to talk about it the same way. Hey, done a fair amount of research and pedophilia is like homosexuality exists on a spectrum. For example, we all know the huge, barely legal subgenre adult entertainment is huge. Uh, anyone who jerks off the pictures of an 18-year-old and turns around and says all pedophilia is ought to be killed is a fucking hypocrite in my opinion, but I digress. From what you typed here, it seems that you would have a mild preference and that you are able to be satisfied with adults. Some people with the disorder find themselves only attracted to children, and that could be potentially problematic, especially in a society where there's absolutely no way to get help. Please continue to talk, write using throwaways, and please avoid child pornography. It may seem innocent, but even watching it is propagating the entire industry, which I'm sure you will agree is disgusting. Plus, the consequences you face if caught are life-changing, worse than death if you ask me. You have a good head on your shoulders. I wish you the best, and I know you will not make any decisions you'll regret. Uh, too long, didn't read. Actor played a pedophile for a TV show, did research, discovered being pedophile, not so different from being gay. Everyone deserves sympathy, not black and white. Uh, edit. So my first gold was a sympathetic post source pedophilia. Amazing. Thank you for the gold. Honestly, it goes to show that Reddit is capable for a tremendous compassion. To everyone who came forward in the thread, I admire your courage and wish you the best. I'm in no position to provide any guidance or advice of any sort, but I encourage you to read this article I stumbled upon while doing research for my role. I mean, that's, yeah, that's exactly what I read. And it's Ooh. like, yeah, I mean, it's fair. It's like, and, and it's, it's like, you know, for me, I can see both sides of all kinds of shit. And it's like, on the one hand, it's like, I get wanting to give 
people compassion. Like mm-hmm. I get it. But at the same time, I feel like the problem with going out of your way to do that is that you're throwing, that we've established in our society that people who have been sexually assaulted don't really have a leg to stand on once they come out and say something to somebody. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like if we were a society that was like, yo, this person says something and we're not second guessing them. We're not asking them to prove stuff. We're not asking about what they were wearing. We're not asking why they were someplace. All those different stuff that we do when people are assaulted, whether it's children or adults, you know, if we were the type of people who believed these people when it happened, it would be easier to be sympathetic to these people who do the things that they do. It would be easier, but we, but it feels like, but right now it's just like, you're, we're going out of our way to be sim. Well, it feels like he's going out of his way to publicly be sympathetic to these people when it's just as okay to publicly be unsympathetic to the people who are on the losing end of these people's urges or whatever. And it's just like, no, it's just like, you can't, it's like, I get it. It's just that you can't do that. You can't do that. We have to take care of the people who were harmed first and establish that they need to be taken care of and like make it, you know, like it has to be very serious. There can't be any second guessing of these people. And I feel like that's why we react the way we react with with a lot of this stuff is that because we're so, because we second guess victims of different types of assault, we it keeps us from doing this in an even handed kind of way. And so it's like, you can't be even handed about this shit, no. It's just like now, am I saying like all these motherfuckers need to get killed or castrated or all the different kind of shit? No, not saying that, but no, it's just like no, we're not, and I'm damn sure not going to equate it to being fucking uh, to someone who is gay. Like that doesn't, it just doesn't, it just doesn't make any sense. Exactly. Exactly. Damn. Ali. And 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 and. His shit was kind of the equivalent of I slept at a Hollywood and Express last night. <laughs> I did I mean, research, not method. I did research. That means he I went mean, on Wikipedia. I mean, you know, I mean, the whole thing is, is that he probably did. It's just, you know what it is? It's like, you don't have, like, just because you experience something, you don't have to be that thing's public advocate that's really what it is like you don't like you you came across something and that's cool cool you know whatever you came across something and this is how you want to move personally that's how you want to move that's fine do that thing but like turning it into a, a public advocation of something is just like yo like I don't I would not want to be on the end of a victim 
coming at him. I would not want to be that person advocating what he's advocating and then have a victim come back at him about how they felt, about mm-hmm. how that makes them feel. Like, it's just like, no, it's just, you know, or have someone misinterpret it. Cause it's just like, no, no. I think we advocate, I think you can advocate for people who may be, who are gonna experience incarceration via some of the things that they do by advocating about incarceration, you know, by advocating about mental health. I feel like getting like really specific with like, oh, you know, pedophilia, it's the same as this. You know, it's just like, nah, bruh. Like, it's just not, cause it's just not gonna fly. That's not the way people feel about the shit. It's just not gonna fly. Like nobody wants to hear that shit. And so you gotta go, you're gonna have to go about it a different way. Hmm. But like, you know, like we said, that was 2015. You know, he could totally feel different at this point. He could totally feel different. You know, I mean, like what that's almost seven years ago. So it could be, you know, another thing. Who knows? But yeah. I, that did happen as far as uh, he is getting like some some chatter about his past, you know, postings and whatever on the Internet. One thing that I have not figured out how to do, and I really do want to, I really do want to. I want to go back and see my tweets from when I first started. Not to delete them. I want to contend with them. Do you know what specifically you want to to look up? No. No, I don't don't know if I said anything. I just want to go back and look at them. I know that there are times where I was bullied Mm -hmm. on Twitter. I know that. I don't know if there were times where I bullied others. I don't know. I don't remember. For me, back then, Twitter was something, even now, Twitter is something that you type in. It's kind of like type and toss. But I would like to see a history of what I've done. And I've seen folks like Jeremy who are able to find specific tweets that they did back like 10, 11 years ago and post it up and retweet it and I don't know how to do that. I'm not savvy enough to be able to pull that off. Well, it's not, it's really, it's really not that complicated. That's why I was asking if you know something specific that you wanted to look up, like if there was a specific word or something, because what you do is you type that word and then you type, you, you know, like you want to look up bitch, <laughs> you know, like just, you want to type, you want to see all the times you've ever said bitch on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So you type bit, you, you go to the search bar on Twitter you type bitch and then space bar and then you type from colon your uh at name but not without but without the at symbol so you would you know from colon rishani and you will see most of the tweets that you've ever it'll pop up for you and you can just kind of scroll through and you can see all the different times that you've said whatever particular word it is now, hmm. some stuff is easier. Some stuff is easier to find than others. There's the advanced search, I think, on the Twitter web, on the Twitter website. 
that uh, you can do it by date. I think you can like search, you know, you can search different kind of categories, like from this person mentioning this, whatever, from this date to that date. And they'll show you and those tweets will pop up for you. And then there's also, I think you can, I don't know if it's still available now or not, but there's also, you could like download every tweet you've ever tweeted. Like, cause I remember that, that was a thing like a few years ago that they had added that and you could download it all and you could read through all of it. If, you know, if it's there and everything, but it just depends on what you want to, uh, to find, because I've Googled stuff where I'm just like, oh, I want to see, you know, somebody might be talking about something that happened a few years ago. And it's like, oh, man, I wonder if I tweeted about that. And you type, you know, like it might be like fucking Donald Trump. You mm -hmm. know, what was I saying in 2015 about Donald Trump with the run up to the election or whatever? And Trump from Shante Fabulous. Oh, oh, yeah, I did say that. Look, it's right there. You know, <laughs> I said that shit, <laughs> you know, or whatever. It's just like, oh, yeah, I do remember that or, you know, whatever. You know, where you can type in, you know, maybe you type, you know, uh, an at name, you know, like at so-and-so from Rashani, and you can see all the different times maybe you have added that person. Or you can look up all the times that person has added you. Like it might be your at name from this other at name, and you look up all of their stuff. Like that's how people find, I, think, I figured that's how people find other people's tweets. You know, they find them and they then they screenshot them. It's just like, look, you said this, you said this at eight o'clock, you know, on a Tuesday kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Well, for what it's worth, I can say honestly that I never said any homophobic slurs. <laughs> I went looking like I was like, you know what? I'm sitting here saying these things. I may. I don't know if I ever said anything while I'm sitting here saying that I'm changed and I'm a better person and all that. I was like, I wonder if I've ever said anything like that. And I haven't, at least not on Twitter. Like I really worry about these things. And it's things like this, where you can go back and see what somebody said, where it's like, you know what, that's all it takes now for somebody to say, why, why, where were you on this? And I mean, I would take full credit if I fucked up, but I'd want to know that I fucked up. also. I mean, I wouldn't take it down if I fucked up, but, you know, I will, I will want to know. That's all. Yeah, I mean, I found, I found all kinds of shit. Sometimes you get bored and it's just like, oh, I wonder how many times I've said fuck. Look at that. Fuck, 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 fuck that. Oh, look at that. Fuck that. Yeah, fuck that thing. Fuck Game of Thrones. That yeah, I still agree with that. You know, <laughs> well, you should. You should. You know what you've been through. Uh, yeah, they showed somebody posted a picture of some characters in their wigs and stuff, and I was just like, "Yep, not watching that shit. Not gonna catch me out here." They're not going to play in my face again. <laughs> no. Somebody, Brandon, Brandon is steadily uh, telling me constantly that 
Game of Thrones is better than Oz. And I mean, it is. Oh, yeah. At least because Oz literally takes the jump off the cliff much, much earlier than Game of Thrones. But the thing is, Oz didn't have the blueprint that Game of Thrones did. And that's what I was telling sure. him, which is that, you know, yeah, Game of Thrones held it down up until like the last two seasons last yeah, season two, three seasons yeah two, three seasons yeah after they ran out of book and they started writing on their own once they started writing on their own they just jumped um whereas you know oz they've always just had a, a room of writers so they started all strong and they fucked up on their own those are things i think about like whose fault is it that you did so well whose back were you standing on and i think that's one of the things that irritate me the most about Game of Thrones mm-hmm. is the fact that people are looking at the show as these people who wrote it are um, just so great. And then they came out with that next idea where slavery was still going on. And people were like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah, you got to keep in mind, they've been standing on the back of a giant and calling themselves mm-hmm. tall. Mm-hmm. And the first chance they got to write something on their own, they immediately shit the bed. <laughs> they really, they really, really did. It, they really lost. They- <laughs> the first time that that Gigi Martin was like, you know what, I'm I'm done here. Or G.R. Martin or whatever his name is was like, I'm I'm done here. They were like, okay, we're gonna fuck <laughs> shit. Yeah, I mean, and it's to the point, I think, I mean, I might be making this up, but I imagine that maybe part of the reason why they're not getting, uh, that the book readers aren't getting a book is because maybe George R.R. Martin did kind of tell the showrunners for Game of Thrones that this is how I think it's supposed to play out, and they try to make it play out like they thought, and George R.R. Martin might be like, yo, I might have fucked up trying to do it like this this ain't it because here's the here's these people trying to do it and i don't i don't know if i like the way this is going so he's probably there's a chance that he might be having to rework shit and it's just another reason why they're he's not going to be able to finish the fucking books Mm -hmm. besides you know besides the story being way too fucking big to try to close up and everything too many threads and everything it may just be whatever he thought it was going to be he's seen it and it's just like oh no this I don't want it to do go like this, but I don't know. I just know I'm not watching the next like whatever. <laughs> whatever they do, <laughs> whatever they do, I'm done. Like, uh, uh-uh. uh, you catch me, you know, on YouTube, you know, watching like best of scene compilations or something. Like, so, like my husband asked, like, oh, you want to rewatch Game of Thrones again? I was like, no, <laughs> I don't want to watch this shit. Like, and it sucks so bad too, because those first seasons were really, really good. And I think about how sucked in I was with that first season when, spoiler alert, even though you probably already watched the show, but when Bran gets pushed out that window and it's just like, oh shit, what kind of show is this? They're killing kids. And it was just, (laughs) just, you know, especially because I randomly started, you know, I started watching Game of Thrones really just randomly. I think we had just got HBO Go Mm-hmm. And it was just like, oh, what's what's on this HBO? I wonder what this is. You know, it's just like, oh, okay, period stuff, kings and queens. I fuck with it. 
you know, that's what I was thinking. I had no idea what it came from, the books, nothing. And started watching it and the brand get pushed out the window and it was like, oh, shit, this is something else. It was sucked in from there and only to get let down at the end. It's, it's disheartening. Mm-hmm. <sighs> so, yeah. Basically, Brandon, you're wrong if you're listening. I just <laughs> want to point that out again. Like when you look at the sum of the whole, Oz has made a lot of mistakes in season four and five, like just bad, but at least they're writing their own shit. Speaking of writing their own shit, Montero was dope. Yes. It came out today. So I, I was listening to it while I was dropping Devin off at school. And he was like, you're listening to Little Nas X. And I was like, yeah, his new album just came out. And, you know, I like the Old Town Road. So let's see what it is. And it's it's a combination like like. I haven't listened to a lot of new hip hop recently. Like I listen mm-hmm. to, you know, the big things, but sometimes I'll hear it because my kids are listening to it or because Nisha's listening to it. And I'll be like, that's nice. But I know that a lot of hip hop has now also married itself in some way into pop music. Mm-hmm. Um, especially with the ladies from hip hop, you know, they'll do songs that verge into pop or EDM or something like that. And, mm-hmm. From the music that I've heard so far from Montero, uh, there's a lot of like pop, R&B. Like it's it's like 70% hip hop and he's got bars for days. The beats are nice. And then there's some R&B and he's got some great things to say there too. I have no complaints about the album whatsoever. And I'm going to keep listening to it just to fuck little Boosie off. Or piss Man. little Boosie off. Just, I'm so, I'm, I also, I listened to Montero. I started listening to it, like, I think it was, it probably dropped, like, 11 my time. So I was just like, oh, shit, I'm ready. It's go time. Mm-hmm. And so I was immediately trying to listen to it and finished it, you know, before bed and everything. I was just like, he did really good. Yeah. He made he made a good album. And it's like, and visual, I mean, I think, he, I think he's making, I think it's like a whole visual album. Like, I didn't, like, I realized, uh, I don't know, I pulled up maybe something on, on Spotify and, you know, depending on what happens, depending on what an artist does, sometimes when you pull up Spotify, you'll see clips of videos of the song and everything. And I realized that there were different videos for different songs. I was like, oh shit, he might have a visual album. I haven't really got on YouTube to see. So that's, that's also cool if he's creating a whole narrative with what you know with Montero and everything because I did I did see one scene where it's him and uh another another dude and they're football players and they have like this really intense kind of uh sexual encounter and it was just like oh shit it's like he's going for it which is good for him because why the fuck not mm-hmm. it, it could just it could just as easily you know there's been plenty of times where motherfuckers and had is where it's um two heterosexual people kissing on each other mm-hmm. being all intense and sexual like the shit is supposed to be just fine it's just like well yeah sex is just fine but yes go for it to be completely honest with you at this juncture I've, i i just i think i'm at the point where kissing as a whole on tv just grosses me out and it's because if they don't have chemistry if it's like two actors or you know actor and an actress if it's two people who are acting 
Mm-hmm. And they're not good actors or this their first kissing scene together or this the first time they've kissed on camera or something. You don't have to use that much tongue and you don't have to make the noises at this point in time. I what show was I watching? Was it it wasn't clickbait, which I have thoughts about clickbait, too. It was another show recently where they were kissing. And then all of a sudden you just hear the tongues like you shouldn't be able to hear the tongues slapping against each other on a TV show, like <laughs> you shouldn't be able to. <laughs> There's certain things like do what you do. I watch porn, do what you do. Please don't look at the goddamn camera. <laughs> don't look at the goddamn camera and then moan. Please don't. Don't look at the camera and then say, uh, and then look back over and keep going. We already know you're acting. Okay, you're doing a wonderful job because we know all the shit he's doing to you doesn't actually work. We know that for a fact. We know that the shit that he's doing to you may work for some, but doesn't work for all. And you're fucking up the gene pool for a lot of people who are going to go out and try that on their significant others later. But you don't have to look at this. Do they do they do like this? Does the cameraman do like this while you're fucking? Do do they point at themselves? You look over and go "Uh," and then just go back to it like because that's off putting and. If they are they telling y'all we need more passion in your kiss, we need to believe that y'all actually like each other. And you think that means more tongue? Is that what that means? So I don't know if it's <laughs> I don't know if it's because I'm getting older or if it's the ASMR of it all. It might be the ASMR of it all. It's probably it's probably it's probably both. Cause no, because I watched it wasn't porn, because whatever, but it was house <laughs> party. No, it was house party two. And you know, in House Party 2, Kid is still with Tisha Campbell in the beginning of the show. Mm -hmm. Still, like, you know, they eventually break up, but whatever. But there was a point where they are kissing each other and it is just like full on kissing. It's just like whole mouths. It's just like, I was just like, oh my God. Because I didn't, you know, because it's the first time that I've watched it in a long time. And it's just like, oh shit, y'all kissing, like Kiss. kissing, kissing, mm-hmm. like just like, oh my god, you know. But then, but I also think, but then I also think that that's something that I think happens with black movies, you know, like in black movies, our you know our actors kiss each other, mm-hmm. you know, they don't do that whole kind of uh, lips pressed up against each other, but not moving kind of kiss that happens in uh in movies where it's white actors like that just you know so I think it's it's that too but 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 I will say this uh as far as like I'm thinking about k-dramas they also really fucking kiss in k-dramas now they don't do a lot of kissing Mm -hmm. but once it's time for them to kiss they're fucking kissing it's just like whoa (laughs) Cause I'm so used to I'm so used to to white people just pressing their lips up against each other that it's just like oh shit mate, oh damn this is this is getting very intimate people like I'm not ready for it but just a side note. <sighs> I think we're done here. I feel cleansed. 
We talked about Montero. We talked about bullying. We talked about anniversaries. Oh, yeah. My neighbor has a dog that they're trying to teach. And I don't know. I guess they took her to obedience school or took it to obedience school. Not my neighbor, the dog. Um, and I guess they were like, you should speak German to your dog. So then nobody else be able to call your dog off if you tell them to attack. Oh, no. I guess because they're talking German to the dog. And so they're in the backyard training the dog. And all I hear all day long is nine. Nine. I don't hear no other German. <laughs> they talk to them normally for everything else. But then nine. And it's a Hispanic lady. Oh, wow. So why would. Why wouldn't you just. Well, OK. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you just don't, if you want it to be like only you, then sure, it makes sense to, you know, you don't want to teach the dog English and you don't want to teach the dog Spanish if that's what you speak as well. So you pick, you know, something that it's unlikely people will be able to get the dog off. I just, I ugh, that feels kind of dangerous. It is supposed to be dangerous. That's that's the that's the goal. To be able to uh, nine times nines and then the dog attacks. But I mean, if all you have to do to get the dog off you is say nine, everybody knows how to say nine. You could count on accident and be like, oh my god, I'm going to meet my maker in 10 seconds. One, two, three, four, five. Oh, that one hurt. Six, seven, eight, nine. Nine? It just Nine. It just oh. doesn't. It doesn't seem practical either, because it's just like if a dog is attacking, I feel like a regular person isn't going to be able to get the dog off anyway. Mm -hmm. Just based on their voice, they're not gonna. The dog is not gonna, because dogs don't do that. Dogs usually are listening for their owners if they're the kind of dog who's been trained enough to immediately stop when their owner says something. So even if you know the words, you know, stop set whatever a lot of dogs don't want to it's like you're my daddy <laughs> <Don't> do <it>. <laughs> <laughs> you're not my dad and they don't they don't listen <laughs> oh god you're not my father bob what movie was i just watching oh my god the white kid kept oh terminator 2 oh yeah. yeah 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 that one yeah yeah, Todd. He said that yeah, shit Todd. was such yeah. so funny thing. In the next Terminator, they say he was ten uh, on the computer or whatever, but mm -hmm. then they say that he was fifteen when they do the preamble, and then they say that his mom died of cancer, um, and then she comes back in Dark Fate. So they never explain that part. What they decide to do in Dark Fate is just act like nothing ever happened or nothing ever came out past Terminator 2. Huh. Ain't that something? That's what that, that's what but that's what you do with movies. That's like that's just like with Fast and the Furious. You mm -hmm. know, Han is dead. Han is dead. Han died in like the early 2000s, but now Han is still in the movies with iPhones and shit. Like it just, you know, you know, here we are. It's just like we remember the rest of this shit, though. You can act like, OK, none of that stuff ever happened. Just focus on me. Pay attention right here. Right here. Eyes on me. No, all that other shit happened. We seen it. Explain yourself, Bob. 
<laughs> Shantae, I am so grateful for you. And I appreciate you joining me for this long ass journey in the nowhere. Like literally. Nothing has come of this except for friendship. Yeah, that's great. And that's dope. I mean, I'm, I'm happy. You know what? It's just like, you know, I think in the very, very beginning, it was just like, oh, this is cool. I get to be podcasting. This is so cool. And, you know, would hope that maybe some people would listen and people listen. Now, granted, mm-hmm. if people listen, they don't really say like, hey, we were listening to your show. What's up? Like, And that's fine. You don't have to say anything. But I still feel I think it's great. I wanted to be a podcaster before you had ever asked me, but really didn't know how to do it. And then or what to do, you know, or who to talk, what to talk about or whatever. And then when you asked me, it was just like, okay, I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna be a fucking podcaster. And that's it. That's me. That's why it says in my fucking bio on like Instagram and shit. I'm a podcaster. Like, you know, gang. (laughs) (laughs) You know, regardless of whatever, you know, it's just like, yeah, I'm a podcaster. I'm a black, you know, woman podcaster out here, you know, talking my shit and getting to talk my shit with you. And it's been, it's been great. It has. It has. When are we retiring? When are we retiring? Yeah. When are we, or have we already retired? And I think we've retired, you and I. And that's why now we're not looking like, what's the news right now? What's going on? Because it used to be, we'd have like the notes. Oh, like yeah. Full on notes and, 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 and readings and stuff like that. You know, I think the first time I started thinking about retirement from single simulcast was a third of the way through Rachel Dolezal's book. Oh, wow. That was years ago. I think that was the first time I was like, why the fuck are we doing this? That was years ago. That was yeah. so long ago. Yeah. Well, yeah, I don't know. I, you know what it is? It's just like, I don't necessarily feel retired or anything. I do feel like it's just, I do, but I do know that we're not, it's not the same, like, oh my God, we have to talk about this. Mm -hmm. We have to talk about this thing. We have to, you know, keep up with what's going on and everything. And I think maybe that is just kind of- That's what I'm alluding to as far as retirement. Like we don't have to, we're not on this set schedule where it's like, oh my God, we gotta, we gotta make sure that I still have it in my phone. It pops up every Tuesday, 6 PM, single simultaneously. Yeah. It's just like, it, and I still, and I still think about it sometimes. It's just like, oh yeah, I did have to, you know, like if it, if it was a Tuesday or a Friday when we would record, it would just be like, yeah. And but I think it's just not as, it's not as the recording aspect is not as as pressing mm-hmm. as it used to be. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of just like, eh, you know, you get it, you get it when you get it. Yeah. You know, you fuck with it when you fuck with it. I do agree. I will say this. I do appreciate. Uh, the people who do listen, like my homegirl Sasha, who yeah, shouts us, uh, who who will shout us out and listen. So I appreciate that. Like that's always nice because because you really, I know for me, I don't get a lot of like, oh, I listened to the podcast or I heard what you had to say. So just just her saying, oh, I listened to it. I thought that was really great. I appreciate this. I like this. You know, whatever. Yes. You know, look, seeing her say that she looks forward to it. You know, and everything. It's just like that's great because it's hard to feel like you're just not I know for me if it's hard to just not feel like I'm just jibber jabbering mm-hmm. and, and it doesn't mean anything mm-hmm. <laughs> to anybody 
you know, the thing about it is um, those words are what can literally lift you. That will lift me at the very least on my darker days, uh, especially during COVID, uh, hearing folks say, well, yeah, I listened to the show because it was easy at that point in time. I'm saying COVID like it's over. But the time when it was locked down, when COVID was being treated the way it was supposed to be treated with the severity that it deserved mm-hmm. in the before time. <laughs> right. You know, it was easy to say, well, why am I doing this? But to get response kept you pushing towards wanting to do it. So I do appreciate her popping up and I have to figure out a way to get her those fucking stickers. Like I didn't even know I, I didn't. And so we have stickers on deck um, because each one of our um, shirts and whatnot that we have on uh, the, the store have a mm-hmm. sticker associated with it. So I'm going to figure out how to get the stickers to her. Um, but they're going to be more than single simulcast. She's going to get all them shits. <laughs> All the way across. She's going to be like, yeah, these ones are dope. And who the fuck? (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to Oz. (laughs) (laughs) The fuck is Oswald? But no, I just, I just, at this point in time, I just want to say mazel motherfucker. Um, And I am looking forward to another six to seven years of absolute blissful nothingness where we talk about shit like this because our nothing is actually so much more. And that's the coolness about it. Like I would have never dreamed what it would be like to have a co-host. I would have never dreamed it would have been like this. So I appreciate that. And I appreciate you more than I can ever convey. And again, I was going to get you something, but it turns out I was right. And Sephora's fucking gone. Into the way. That's okay. That's okay. But I appreciate you too. I would say, I will say, if you have a uh, Xbox or a PlayStation 4, um, Psychonauts 2 is a really good game. Psychonauts. Is that like bikes? Uh, No, not cycle. Like psycho, like psychiatry. Oh, psycho. Yeah, Psychonauts. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's really dope. I really do enjoy it. And I will recommend that to dang near anybody. Okay. That means you too. Okay. All right. Uh we I you shout outs. Yeah. No? Hmm? Ooh, happy birthday to classic. Oh yesterday. Classic. Yeah. yeah. Oh, was, was it yet? Oh, it was yesterday. Okay. That was, was it yesterday. That was was it today? Let me check. You know, I'm at the age now. Where all birthdays have to flow through Facebook. Oh yeah, yeah. We're I mean because we don't keep calendars anymore, like Mm-mm. like that, like that. Mm-mm. Not even close. I got better things to do than be looking to see whose birthday is what. Nigga, I'm living my own life. I'm living my best life. <laughs> oh man, I hate that. That's Lil Duval song because I think about it. <laughs> And then it's just like, oh, little Duval. <laughs> <laughs> but it's so catchy. I ain't going back and forth with you, nigga. I just love the fact, the part that makes me laugh about it all is how that got so incorporated with the elders in our community. Uh-huh. Like, older Black folks took to that like bees to honey. And so you heard pastors talking about it. You got to tell them you're living your best life 
and you ain't going back and forth with them heathens. <laughs> offering, pra- offering plates coming around. Um, but yeah, no. Happy birthday to him, and I don't know what else, who else, but that's about it for me. I'm done here. Yeah, my daughter, my daughter turned 11. Awesome. Yesterday. Awesome. I will get her a sticker. Okay. It's going to be us and a whole lot of other stuff, too. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, she turned she turned 11 and she got like she still really fucks with Five Nights at Freddy's. So she got like a like she got like a shitload of uh, FNAF uh, plushes and stuff and everything. And like I'm her. Oh, I'm like I am part of her production team. As far as like when she's making up stories and shit, like mm-hmm. I have to be, you know, I have to be part of the story and everything. And she's like oh, a yeah. little casting, she's a little casting director. She tells me who I'm going to be, you know, and we'll be playing little stories. And it's it's wild playing with her because, you know, you playing with the kids and you trying to do like little plot stuff and everything. And you thinking you smart, you know, because you're an adult. And then here she comes hitting you with a plot twist that you didn't even think was going to happen yet. And it's just, it's, it's great. It's like, it, you know, I get, I play with her and I'm just like, oh shit, she, oh damn, they talk a shit to each other. Like I'm not even ready. You know, I'm thinking it's going to be real kind of cool or whatever. Mm-hmm. No, she, she is like, her stories is like robbing, killing, drug dealing. Like that's the type of shit that she's on. Ratchet dog club. Robbery and fraud. Like betrayals, oh. cheating am, on people. I am it's here amazing. for this. I'm here it's for amazing. all of it. As a as a as a as a fan, uh, I'm not only a client. I'm also the president of Ratchet Book Club. I am here for all of that shit, and I hope that you are cherishing the opportunity to talk Ratchet with your daughter. You should have <laughs> one of them. I don't even know the names of the characters from Five Nights at Freddy's. One of them should just come up and clock the other one in the face, and then the rest they of them. Do. St- Woo! Dude, people get people get stole people get knocked out they get stole on all kinds of stuff. It's so like that first time playing with her i did not know what i was getting myself into now it's just like okay cool 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 but man it's just like she's she's so creative and so funny and it's just like wow like i didn't like this is this is so sometimes it's just riveting it's just like really, like this is what we doing? Like okay, this is what we doing. I'm, I'm with you. I'm with you. We taking this path together, I guess. Oh, okay, all right. That's a felony. That that right there. <laughs> that, that right there. That's that's five to ten. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh shit. Yeah. But yeah, shout out to shout out to my baby and her yeah. turn out eleven. Happy birthday, Lily. Y'all, thank you so much for listening. We do greatly appreciate you. You could leave a review for the show at uh, Podchaser. Here's what I figured out. And so I'm going to bring it from my other shows to here. Go to Podchaser. Leave a review. Five stars. Block that uh, that review and copy it. Like, like, copy that review. Go to Apple Podcasts. Paste that review in Apple Podcasts. Give us five stars. Take that same review. Go to Good Pods, paste five stars, leave the review there. Go to Google. Go to Google. We're there. Leave five stars. Copy, paste, review. Take you like six minutes. 
Maybe seven if you motherfuckers do what I keep telling you to do and use voice to text. If you use voice to text, that whole first part gets done in like 13 seconds. Yo, they dope. I really like them. They make me laugh all the time. Five stars. Copy that shit. Carry it over. And yes, you can use that review. You know what? Okay, Google. Leave a review. And then you just start talking. And that's how it works. I hope that your phone literally perked up. And now that it's already listening to you, just go ahead and leave the review. Also, this isn't going to be like last time where I kept saying, okay, to both of them over and over again, just to fuck your phone up, because that's mean. I won't do that anymore. I promise. 916-633-1537. Single simulcast at gmail.com. Shantae's on Twitter at Shantae Fabulous. It is spelled the normal way, not like the rapper. I still almost said it like the rapper. F-A-B-U-L-O-U-S. I'm there as Rashani. The show is single, simulcast, no underscore. I think that's about it. Thank you all so much for listening. We greatly appreciate it. I'll be good. We're going to holler at you later. Peace. This is Single Simulcast. Don't know my name, you slip.